There's often a saying in the fitness industry, especially amongst personal trainers, about living the dream. I hear that, that word often. And it's great that people feel that they're living the dream, and, and I'm very happy for them. I'm just always interested by the definition of what it means to live the dream and whether or not that there's more possible. So the purpose of today is to, to bring one of our coaches onto the call who has a certain sort of lifestyle and has come from a very similar place that most personal trainers start out. And that is John Hazard out of California. So John, can you can confirm that you can hear me, please? Yeah, I can hear you. Excellent. John. Yep. So John, we're going to start off with a little bit of a chat about where you came from. And and, and so the aim is, is perhaps if we do nothing and broaden the consciousness of, of people in the industry, I know um, people get a little bit surprised at the way I live and, and they might think it's a rare case, but it's certainly not that uh, that way. It's, more, it's a more common thing amongst uh, the coaches that are in our program than, than people would appreciate. So let us go right back to the beginning if we can. And I know you've told me the story before, but for the purposes of the recording, let's let's go again. So, how old were you when you when you entered the physical preparation industry? I was a teenager. I was eighteen, so right out of high school. And what was your first job? <laughs> My first job um, was I was training people with learning disabilities, but I was also um, I had got my first certification, which was a weekend certification. I I don't even remember what it was. It might have been NCEP, something like that, one of those acronyms. And um, yeah, I was uh, training people who had learning disabilities and working for a psychologist in Manhattan Beach. Uh, but my first gym job was at a 24-hour fitness. And where was that, John? That was in Hawaii on Oahu. And do you remember how many hours you were working, uh, how, how much you were getting paid, things like that? The, I, I got busy pretty quickly, um, and I was working a ton of hours, which is crazy now that I look back at it, considering the amount I was going out then, too. But I was working seven days a week, and I was working... Uh, six hours a day each weekend, but I was working probably about 10 hours a day during the week. And I was getting paid, I think I started off at $15 an hour and then it bumped up to 18 and then it bumped up to 21 or 23, something like that, after I got uh, multiple certifications. So that's the sort of income, right? That, that, that I know it was some years ago, but You'd probably you'd imagine some some people starting out in the industry have got similar income. Yeah. So I imagine you you appreciated the opportunity that you had. You appreciated the the, the step or the leg into the industry. How many years do you think you could have kept it up? <laughs> um, I don't know as long as I did, which was about two years, because after that is when. I moved to San Diego and I started working way less because I just I just couldn't keep it up. So about two years. And and the hours were they like ten in a row or they stretched out throughout the day? Um, they were stretched out, but usually I would do like five in the morning and then 
five in the afternoon. So, I, I mean, I barely had time to work out for myself. And um, it, it was just exhausting. I would start at five in the morning. I would get, you know, people no showing at 5 a.m., you know, that whole deal that I'm sure everybody's familiar with. And uh, it just it just wasn't sustainable. But I also needed to work that much to be able to, you know, have some kind of fun and some kind of lifestyle and pay my bills. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're, when you're new in the industry, you, I, I strongly recommend you take whatever work you can get. So you're doing a great thing and you started out, but you didn't stay there. So what was what was your next, if you, if you were stepping up the ladder, what was your next step? My next step, I worked at a gym in San Diego and uh, that was more, uh, I kind of lucked out there because I had a group of people who were anti commercial gym and they um, rented a space out of a gym in Hillcrest and uh, they provided me with all their clients. Uh, one guy had a bunch of overload with his clients so he gave them to me and another guy had immediately uh, moved to Costa Rica once I came on so he just gave me all his clients. So I really totally lucked out when I moved to San Diego because I was just handed full-time clients um, so, but they let you, you know, keep all the money that you charged, but they are the ones who made the rate and, um, you did have to pay a, a gym fee to work out of the gym. So I was making about $75 a session when I moved there, which was a huge step up, but I did go was, backwards from there when I started, when I moved back to Manhattan beach. But that seventy-five dollars was your, your money. You, that's a, you. That was the amount that you'd keep. Yes. And then, then you'd pay uh, like a monthly fee or something to that to the gym uh, over and above that. Yeah. Which was only like one hundred fifty bucks. So that was actually a, a really good situation, or what I thought was a good situation back then. So how many hours were you working a week then? Over there, I was working about. I was working less and I wasn't working on weekends. So I was doing about 30 hours, 30 hours a week. And from, from a, from a number of perspectives, would you consider that sustainable? Would you, could you still be doing that now? Yeah, I, I, I could still be doing it, but, um, I, I mean, it's tough looking back because back then I didn't even know it was possible. So, um, I mean, if it was me back then, you know, with that mentality that I had and that competency level, I mean, I would have no choice but to stay and do that. Mm -hmm. That's good, realistic. It's a good, realistic approach. I mean, that, that, that was your mindset at the time, and you, you probably appreciated that again. Yeah. So, you came back to Manhattan the city Beach. Yeah, I moved back to Manhattan Beach and then I uh, started working at a another commercial gym and then and I was making a lot less money. I mean, I got up to full time in about three weeks and but yeah, that then I was making maybe I want to say like 30, 33 a session or something like that. Again, a lot of lot of trainers even now could relate to that that was some time ago again but they could still 
that's not out of the ballpark even at the moment, is it? Uh, no. So how sustainable long-term would that have been? <sighs> to tell you the truth, I, I just, when I see how much people work and how much people actually train clients and I, I don't know how they do it. Um, I think they just have to, they're certainly not living, you know, the best lifestyle that they could live and they're not, um, they have a lot less opportunity, I would say. But that's their reality, isn't it? And that's the, that's the, the perception that that's all there is. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, the perception is that's all there is and that you just need to keep on getting more clients and work more hours and then possibly, you know, open up your own gym or rent out your own gym, which I just, I never really wanted to do. But then when I saw the realities of that, then I absolutely never wanted to do it. You're, you're spot on there about the perception that that's, that's an upgrade. Um, obviously, when people get to that point, as you've seen firsthand, up close and personal, they, they realise that it probably wasn't the solution. But it's certainly the, um, the extension of the dream and the solution that many people apply. So in, in summary of, of that approach to income in terms of you know, the, the rate you're on, the sort of hours you're working um, when you went back to Los Angeles, You'd say if a person was going to have a higher standard of living or um, support a partner or support children, there could be some challenges. Yeah, especially if you don't have dual income. I, I don't even see how it's possible. Unless you're living on top ramen in, in a studio. Or, I, I don't even know how people do it. And yet they do. Mm-hmm. So, you, you obviously, you, you might have um, experienced some sort of thought that there's got to be a better way. So, what did you do next? Well, I, I always thought that there was a better way. And even when I started out, you know, way back in 2000, when I got my first cert, um, I, was, I, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. And that never sat well with me. So I was constant, I was doing as much reading as possible, whether it be a textbook, a magazine, a book. Um, I was participating in as many uh, activities as possible to try to get a stranglehold on how to do it and how to train for it and get some respect for the training process. And I was constantly looking for someone who knew what they were doing. And um, it didn't happen for a, a long time. It took, after about eight years of doing that, I finally found someone who was on track. And that that search has led, led obviously, to doors opening for you. Oh, yeah, tons. My, my life is completely different now. It's... It's better than I even dreamt it could be. So just to give an insight into that, let's talk about your working life at the moment. Um, you know, for example, you know, without getting into too much detail, you, you still work some hours, but you have pretty pretty flexible in terms of when you choose to work. Yeah, so I choose who I work with, 
Um, I have some people who I can give people away if I can't work with them anymore because I'm too busy or if I don't want to work with them. Um, and yeah, I, I choose the days that I work. I choose the weeks that I work. I choose my own hours. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's great. If I, if I want to take a day off and go snowboarding, if I want to take a week or two off and go travel, I, I just do it. And I, and, I, and I do it often. And we'll be coming back to that. So before we do go to that point, after, after expenses, your hourly rate in the ballpark, you know, after expenses, so your net hourly rate on average at the moment and growing would be? So now I'm, I, I charge by the 15 minutes because every session isn't an hour. It could be more. It could be, you know, it could be up to three hours if I'm first meeting with somebody. Um, so it's at $50 every 15 minutes. Excellent. And anyone, anyone netting 200 an hour, if they did 20 hours a week of that, they'd be around 200 grand a year. Um, and that's without the overheads of a training facility or the overheads of um, paying their uh, trainers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to people to separate between gross turnover of, of, a, of a gymnasium and their individual personal income. So one of the, there's a lot of nuances about how you how you go about it, obviously. And one of the aspects that I, I I got a bit of a shock when I was in Los Angeles, uh, you know, some time in the last decade, and um, and, and and a trainer said to me, "Well, Ian, you know, how do you have clients? You seem to be on the road a bit." And I, I thought it was a weird question at the time, but I didn't really understand why it was being asked that. But then I realised that there is a a dominant belief and a, a, a pattern or a habit in the industry that they're basically tied down and if they, they feel that if they left, um, I mean, realistically, if, if the average personal trainer was to walk away for, for say, six weeks and came back, would they have, um, would they step back straight back into their same income? Oh, yeah, most, most likely not. And yet the way we teach you how to, to, to operate, allows yeah. you the flexibility. So to, to give you a little bit of, you know, you, you allows you clients that probably appreciate and celebrate the trips you take. Oh yeah, they, they love it. It's, it's just another thing that we can talk about and, you know, it's another way that I can relate to them and they can relate to me. They can give me recommendations. I can give them recommendations. Um, I've, I've educated them in the training process so they can do it. They're self-sufficient and yeah, I could leave for however many amount of time and I'd come back and they'd be there. So your, your, your income is pretty seamless irrespective of your, of your time out and travel is something that you're pretty passionate about. So and international travel. Now I, I know we, we don't have all day and I know your memory's not going to be tested here, but roughly in the last year or two, and I, I, like I don't expect this to be alphabetical, but just to give people insight, some of the places you've been in the last year or so. The, this this year, I was in Jamaica, Ireland, Scotland, London, Paris, Galapagos Islands, Tahiti. I was in Cape Cod. I was in. Um, I went to Oregon twice. You know, that's uh, you know within the United States and I was in Napa. Um, whew, the year before that I was in 
Istanbul. I was in Tanzania doing a safari, Zanzibar, Thailand, went to Rio, went to Iceland. I was in Bali, Vietnam, Cambodia. Yeah, off the top of my head. Yeah, and I, I know you've missed a few, which is quite okay. I think that the message is there. So, John, are you a trust fund baby? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Are your parents paying for your travel? No. So you're, in fact, you're paying... Yeah. In fact, when, um, you know, a lot of people can't take time off or can't afford. So usually when I feel like bringing somebody, I'm paying for another person when I go. Wow. So how many weeks a year on average in the last few years have you, have you basically been um, enjoying your passion of traveling mm -hmm. the world? I'm typically gone about three months out of the year traveling, but this year it might, it's probably going to end up being more just because a lot of things have, a lot of opportunities have come up that I'm, that I've taken. And I know in the lead up to some of these trips, you do the extra hours sometimes, but the bo bottom line is, is your income suffering? Not, not at all. So, what we've done, I believe, is painted a, a very different image of, of of way of living for someone in physical preparation that allows not only a higher income, uh, but a stable income and the flexibility to, as, as the uh, Australian Aboriginal would say, go walk about um, on, on whenever you want sort of thing, which is pretty much what you do, John. You just, you just you, you decide to go, you go. Yeah. Or, or yeah, if an opportunity comes, then I go. Or if it's on my list, I'll, I'll go. Do you have a, ever have any sort of reactions from people in physical preparation? I'm not talking about your clients who know you, but I'm talking about people who meet physical preparation. Do you ever get any eyebrows raised or looks of incredulousness about you know what the what the what the f what's going on here? Um, not really, because I don't have any people like that that i hang around so they is if they're out there they don't they don't know that that's what i do yeah i don't really hang out with with trainers or um commercial gym trainers and the reason i ask that is because I, I believe that the the picture we've just painted would be a bit foreign to the average trainer is, is that a fair comment yeah i yeah i mean i certainly couldn't have been doing this when I was working all those hours every other gym I went to, not even close. So what, what, are the, what are the criteria that you need to have in place to be able to live the life that, I'm not saying the life you have, but because everybody's got different passions, but to be able to control your life and have that autonomy and, and you know, create the lifestyle, what are, what are some of the criteria or common denominators in that? Um, for me, the, the biggest one was competency levels and um believing what was possible and uh just going the extra mile and working really hard and you know doing extra things even though when i was done with work you know even if i did work a long time like be it attending a seminar or watching a dvd or watching a video or reading a book um so yeah, def definitely increasing my competency levels is number one. 
we've seen allowed you obviously not only have a, a great list of clients, but to charge a rate that allowed you to have the time freedom. Yeah, because it, it well, it allowed me to be the only game in town. So no one, no one can. There's no one that lives by me that can, you know, give the same level of service. Which makes you a rare commodity, and the clients appreciate you so much that they don't long mind how long left you go away as long as you come back. Yes, exactly. So, do you ever, from time to time, sort of look back and you know reflect upon the journey? I do uh, often, <laughs> um, but it, it also, I mean, I haven't stopped, you know, since I've I've been doing this. So I like, for example, I allocate an hour and a half a day to just reading alone, and I'm I'm still constantly learning, um, still attending camps, attending seminars, attending calls, and it just it's. It's never ending. I'm. I have not grown complacent on where I'm at as far as my competency levels go. I know that there's still a lot of room for improvement, and I think that mentality has helped me because I I never stagnate. Absolutely, great to hear because there is always uh, more to grow into and and more reward for being more competent, being more able to serve and add value to your clients' lives and and there is a demand for it. There, you know, there is the demand for that level of, of service in, in particular because it's hard to find. It's almost like the proverbial rocking horse. Um, done. Yeah. It's tough to find. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know three people in the world that can, you know, do what I do. It makes it pretty unique. So, John, that's great. And I'm, I'm in awe. I look at your pictures. Um, you know, there's a, get to see the, the pictures that you take and the places you get to go and, and take a lot of delight in knowing that you're able to do that because life's relatively short. And if, if we can create a situation for us to to explore our passions at the same time having an income that sustains a quality of life that we want, then it's a, it's a great way to go and to be able to, to do it out of the physical preparation industry, which you know typically the average income in this industry globally is, is $50,000 or less per annum and uh, quality of life's pretty low. Yeah, I was, I was really lucky to find my passion early on and um, even, even more fortunate to have been able to hone it and had the desire to hone it. And then, um, yeah, I had, I had good mentors. Okay, so it's a great role model, and it's a great role for anybody who is willing to open, uh, you know, empty their cup enough to see the possibilities. There is there's so much more uh, for people in our industry than than is appreciated or is realised. So that's the purpose of, of today's call. We have some others on the call, and if there are any questions, anyone wanted to raise a question, anyone wanted to do that, uh, I'll just take you off mute. Just raise your hands electronically uh, as we continue to talk. So. While we wait to see if anyone had a question, John, um, between now and the rest of the year, a few months left, where are you off to? Um, this, there's a chance I go to Fiji at the end of the month. I'm still waiting to hear back on that. Um, and this September, well, August, I'm going to Utah. Um, 
this September, I'm going to New Zealand and um, for Thanksgiving. So November and December, I always do something. So those are yet to be determined. Um, one of my friends was talking trash to me and another friend saying that we wouldn't do an Egypt trip. So that's probably going to happen. I mean, I was going to do it anyways, but the friend will probably come with me just to spite the other friend. So that should be fun. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. Well, I might have to, um, you know, I'll be meeting you on a few of those locations. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're it's a great good. role model, John. You're, you're a great example of what's possible. And the exciting thing is you're continuing to advance yourself and you're continuing to improve. Yeah, thank you. Learn from the best. Uh, well, that's fantastic, John. I appreciate um, And, you know, the irony for, for coaches like yourself, in, at least in our program, is that most people don't even know they exist because that's the lifestyle they live. You know, you, you don't need to be um, the most popular person on the internet with the most hits on your Facebook page or whatever. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, in fact, there may even be a little correlation between that and, and really having a great life. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of something. Back to what you what you said about the trainers um, kind of raising an eyebrow. There's there's some clients who who kind of get confused because I don't have business cards or a website. So that's that's one of the things that they get kind of confused by, and they're like, "Well, are you gonna get one?" Are you gonna? I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the only time the only time the masses get to hear about. People like you, John, is when we we drag on a call like this and have a quick chat about your lifestyle. But you know, it, it, it's un, I guess in some ways a little bit unfortunate that the the, the role models are exposed to um, have, have approaches that I suggest are not very effective and and um, don't don't result anywhere near the outcomes that you're receiving. But then again, humans of choice, and uh, we've we've got the internet, and if people wanted to find greatness, if they wanted to find a better way, they'd, they'd look and they'd find. Yeah, it's um, it, I I I just never, I just never thought that I knew it all. I was always just frustrated that I didn't know enough. So I never let myself get in the way of my best self, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes amazing sense because the thing that I find um, intriguing, and I'm using the best, you know, the, the politest word I can, is that. The desire to be a teacher, and the internet has certainly raised that even further. The the rush to being the teacher uh, is amazing in humans, and I see that as one of the things that holds human potential back. And it's, uh, it's amazing how many people want to be the teacher, and they really um, don't uh, move on from there too much. Yeah, they miss out on the learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the willingness to be a student, to put on the white belt, uh, that is um, a massive limitation, and. And especially in the internet age where everyone is looking to, to monetize everything and the the outcome is, um, you know, they, they don't get to where you get because they became the teacher very early. It'd be like you become the teacher 10 years ago. You wouldn't be where you are now. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a fear-based decision. They're, they're afraid of admitting that they don't know it all. <laughs> Yeah, well, you and I are quite comfortable to say we don't know, but we're going to do our best, and our best involves being open on the on the on the options, but open on the possibilities, and a, and a commitment to sit back and look and look at it in retrospect and say, you know, we could have done this better, and let's continue the search. Yep.
I ask myself yeah. that every day. That's it. And that's the way of the student. Well, I appreciate it, John. Great to chat. And, you know, one of those few opportunities for the people in the industry to to glimpse into the life of um, of yours and, and the, the life of what's possible. And that's what we can do is show them um, another way and see whether they've got the courage to go in that direction. Yep, I agree. Okay, so appreciate it and appreciate everyone else who's on the call today, John. So I'll let you go back and um, continue to live the life and, and, and thank you for being part of the, our program in KSI, part of the coaching program and being you know the, the role model to coaches behind you in the program um, that are looking up to, to the successes that you and others have achieved. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to fulfill my potential in life. You know, when I, I asked you to, to do it, I was just call a realist. Geez, I didn't even check to see which country he was in. Um, but we got away with it. We pulled it off. <laughs> All right, John, we'll be talking shortly. Thank you. All right, thank you.